With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another installment of the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com podcast, the Steelers preview. And this is a big one. The big one is the Steelers and the Ravens week four, Sunday night football. It's going to be a huge game, and I'm joined with Brian. Well, I guess I should introduce myself. For those that might be listening for the first time, I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. With me, as always, Brian Anthony Davis. How are you tonight, Brian? Uh, you know what, Jeff? I'm feeling great because it's Raven Week, and I love Raven Week because it's like you know, it's like going to your in-laws with your brother-in-law that you just can't stand, but you have to coexist with. And you know, you get there, and you know you have the rival rivalry. You know, your son-in-law much better husband than this guy, but you just know that they're always going to come at you. You want to beat them more than anything, and that is what. I'm thinking now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, a lot of people might not know this, but Brian and I both, uh, we live in Maryland. We live in the same town, actually. That doesn't need to be said over the air where we live. Um, and it's very difficult being a Steeler fan in Maryland, especially where we live. Uh, we're about, uh, I guess to give you a proximity, about an hour out of Baltimore. And ultimately, there are a lot of Steeler fans. Let me preface that. There's a lot of Pittsburgh Steeler fans here in Baltimore. Uh, come to find out, I'm not from this area. I moved here. Um, when the Indianapolis Colts, I, when the Baltimore Colts left in the middle of the night, Mayflower trucks came and picked them up and they went to Indy. A lot of fans in this area chose to not follow the Redskins. They didn't want to follow the Colts. They were that angry. And so a lot of them 
well, who are they watching on TV every Sunday? It was the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so a lot of people became Steeler fans in this area, especially in Western Maryland. And so I will say that I am very happy that there's a lot of fans here. Now, Brian, I, I didn't talk to you about this before the show, but I wanted to ask you, and I'll go ahead and talk about me first. And that is, I wanted to get, what is your favorite Ravens Steelers regular season memory? And I, you have to think. I think back to a lot of games. Okay. I think back to um, the, the, the phenomenal game where Troy Palomalu on Sunday night came in and Tomahawk chopped uh, Flacco's arm and then Woodley ended up picking it up. That was tremendous. Um, I think about Santonio Holmes, the catch where did he get the, did the ball cross the line? Did it not after Ben scrambled? I think about the game where Roethlisberger got hit in the nose in 2010 and broke his nose and they still end up coming back. When I think about the Charlie Batch game, when he hit Heath Miller and Heath Miller dies and hits the pylon for the W uh, until last season, that was their last win at M&T Bank Stadium. But for me, my favorite Steelers-Ravens regular season memory has to be Christmas Day two years ago, the Immaculate Extension, as they are now calling it, I guess. And I watched a highlight of that play the other day on Twitter, and it still gives me chills because I... I remember the situation. I remember thinking there's no way that they're going to throw this pass anywhere near where it could be caught and not get in. And I'm thinking a fade route. I'm thinking the quick out, kind of like the play that they ran to uh, Ryan Switzer on Monday night, where it's a just a quick out. And if he drops it, it's incomplete. They get to kick a field goal and send it to overtime. But Antonio Brown, man, with three guys all over him, Eric Weddle rag, just pulling his face mask, extends it all over to me. And maybe it's because it's recent. That's my favorite Baltimore-Pittsburgh regular season memory. I ask those, whether you're watching you on YouTube now, to go into the live chat or comment on this video, what's your favorite regular season memory? Let us know. If you're, if you're listening or watching on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, do the same down in the comment section. Go down, and I want to know what your favorite Steelers and Ravens regular season folks not playoffs I'm not talking about the playoffs I'm talking about regular season Brian what about you what is your favorite Steelers Ravens regular season memory well you know what when you brought this up that was the first thing I thought of because what an amazing Christmas that was I mean I was feeling amazing I was watching that game everybody was around the house but I was in my jersey with my towel I was down because George Michael just died, so was, everyone was freaking out. And then watching that game, they were play, they were playing terrible. I remember talking to you. You changed your jersey. Yeah. You changed your jersey at halftime during that game because the uh, color rush Ben jersey that they were wearing it wasn't working for you, and you got the mojo yeah. from that. So I remember that being a great game. But when I think of Steelers Ravens, one of my favorites is two thousand eight week four. So this is the game where you have no Willie Parker. Willie Parker's not there. Richard Mendenhall doesn't play that much at all because, you know, that's the bounty game. The famous Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, putting a bounty on his head in that game. Also, uh, also they put one on Heinz Ward, but they didn't get Heinz, but they, they uh, broke his jaw. They broke Mendenhall's jaw. And he was out for the entire season in that game. So it came down to Milwaukee Moore. And Milwaukee carried the ball pretty well. But what happened in that game in the third quarter, it just – there was a Santonio San Holmes touchdown, and then Lamar Woodley 
the defense, Harrison and Woodley broke through. Woodley took the ball in in two plays. They scored two touchdowns. The game went uh, into overtime. Jeff Reed kicked the field goal. They win the game, and that was a huge game, getting them to the Super Bowl. And they won the Super Bowl that year, and that was a huge Monday night game. They were stagnant the entire game, and they were playing a rookie in Joe Flacco, and they beat him. They, uh, they had more trouble with Flacco than they thought they would, like they had his entire time playing in Pittsburgh, um, playing for Baltimore in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field, and they really came through, and that was the turning point. Next week they beat Jacksonville. They won on a run. Next thing you know, it's been to 10 in the Super Bowl, and they won number six. Yeah, what was the year? You know, you, you brought up Weldy Moore, and I thought uh, immediately for some reason, it's just the way my mind works. I start thinking about other backup running backs that have played a role, and, and immediately I think about Isaac Redman. What year was it that Isaac Redman caught that little screen pass, spun out of a tackle, and ended up scoring the game-winning touchdown? Do you remember that? It might not have been the game-winning score, but that was a huge turning point. Yeah, so that's 2010. That's the broken nose game. Okay, that's what I thought. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, and that's that's Palomalu. It's a, it was a Sunday night game in December, yeah. and that was a key. And that was a key game in getting them to the Super Bowl that year too, where they eventually lost to Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely. So you could go on. We could do an entire show just talking about memories between these two teams. Um, on both sides, because if there's Ravens fans listening, they're thinking about the blowout on opening day. Um, I can't remember what year that was, maybe 2009 or 2010. 11. It was it was September 11th, 2011. And it was a bloodbath. It was uh, horrible. Ray Rice ran all over them. They, they'll talk about Bart Scott almost decapitating Ben Roethlisberger on that nasty, nasty hit. Both of these teams have gotten the best of each other, but let's talk about this up. Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, in Pittsburgh, at Heinz Field. I know that John Harbaugh was probably having a conniption because he already he always complains about having to play in Pittsburgh on primetime. So let's talk about key matchups here, Brian. You have the 1-1-1 one, one, and one Steelers going against the 2-1 and one Ravens. What are some matchups that you want to watch for? We'll, we'll list three apiece. Give me your top matchup. It doesn't have to be the most important, but one of the three. You know what? Let me start with Joe Hayden against John Brown. Now, unless you play fantasy football the last couple of years, you probably don't know who John Brown is, but he did very well for the Arizona Cardinals. Came over as a free agent to Baltimore this year when they revamped that entire wide receiver core. And right now, he's their top playmaker. They're using him over the middle quite a bit. He has 12 catches two touchdowns and 222 yards, and he leads the team. And that's on a team with Michael Crabtree, who is not having a bad season himself. But Hayden established himself last week as a very indispensable player. We talk about Ben Roethlisberger being indispensable on the offense. I think it's safe to say that Hayden's existence on that team this week, on that defense, was the difference between a win and a loss. Because without Joe Hayden, I don't think that defense holds up enough to go ahead and win that game. And I'll go as far as saying that Joe Hayden against Kansas City, that's a different ball game because they're uh, they're going to be they're going to 
you know, keep less Chiefs in the end zone at that point. So Hayden is going to lock down that side against John Brown. John Brown, like I said, goes across the middle. That's an opportunity for the Ravens to score. And he's also uh, becoming a deeper threat for him, too, down the middle. So he could stretch the defense. Hayden needs to lock him down. And I think that's one that I'm definitely going to be looking at. Yeah, that's a good one. And you could probably say the entire second year. I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to say the Steelers front seven versus the Baltimore Ravens in terms of getting to Joe Flacco. Now, this is not your grandfather's or even your father's Ravens team. Um, they like to throw the football. You mentioned the revamped passing attack with Michael Crabtree and John Brown and Willie Sneed, not to mention some of their tight ends are playing some really good football, and Hayden Hurst might make his debut on Sunday. I did not get to see the injury report today. Nonetheless, they're not the ground-and-pound Ravens that you're used to seeing. I'm sure the check-down Joey and chuck-it-deep Joey trying to draw defensive pass interference will still be a large part of their playbook. But this is an offense in the Baltimore Ravens that, in terms of overall passing yards, ranks ninth in the NFL. They are a throwing team now because rushing, they have offensive rushing yards per game, 26th. All right, so they're not the team that wants to grind it out. They're looking to throw the football. It's in vogue through the entire league. It's what's well, trending right now is you want to throw the football. You That's how you move it. And more good things can happen really than bad. So they need to get to Flacco. And if you watch the Denver Broncos game last Sunday, and I watched a lot of it, they did, the Denver pass rush was able to get to Flacco. They were able to cause him to get out of the pocket. Now, the, the, the bad thing is that Flacco is actually – done very, very well outside of the pocket. I don't have his passer rating in front of me, but I did see on Twitter, thanks to uh, ESPN's NFL matchup Twitter account, they posted that yards or passer rating outside the tackle box, and they listed like the top eight quarterbacks in that area, and Joe Flacco was, I think, third. Uh, so the Steelers, in terms of getting to Flacco, they need to keep him in the pocket. It sounds crazy because we're talking about Joe Flacco. But you all, we've all seen it. When you Flacco can burn you with his legs, he can get outside and make plays with his legs and with his arm on the run. When you need, when you pass rush, Bud Dupree's got to be disciplined. He can't run the arc and let Flacco get underneath, which seems to happen so many times. He needs to stay disciplined, push his tackle back into Flacco, force him to step up into the pocket, and that is where Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tuitt and either Dan McCullers or Javon Hargrave should be collapsing that pocket. They did that a couple times against Ryan Fitzpatrick. They looked good against Ryan Fitzpatrick, getting 13 quarterback hits and three sacks. They need to bring the pain on Joe Flacco. Brian, what's the next one for you? Well, for me, Jeff, I'm looking at the other side of the ball, and uh, you know, it seems like this guy has been around forever. We talk about uh, you know Troy Polamalu's existence in the series. You know, the same year that Troy was drafted in 2003, a guy was drafted a few a uh, few picks ahead of him named T Sizzle Terrell Suggs, and you know that guy can still bring it. I mean, the st- I mean, I you know what? I can't stand the guy. I never could, but you know that team respects him. I remember. Uh, I, you know, just the other day, Ben Roethlisberger called him a first ballot Hall of Famer. I've I've remembered Mike Tomlin in the past calling him cool of cool in the gang. That's how dangerous they think this guy is. You know, this year, Jeff, he is still bringing it. He has, 
He has two and a half sacks, seven tackles, a forced fumble. He's still bringing it. He's dangerous. And we saw the problems that uh, JPP on Monday night gave Al Villanueva. And coming off that same side, Big Al has got to account for T-Sizzle. So Terrell Suggs coming, and we've seen him break Ben Roethlisberger's nose before. We've seen him just, you know, just decimate that offense before in the past. And even as a 15-year vet going into actually his 16th season, he's still dangerous. So they need Ben to have the game that he had last week. And with the way this defense has been playing, Ben needs to be a 350-plus yardage guy almost every single week right now until things solidify even more so keeping ben upright and not getting murdered by a guy like terrell suggs is paramount for al villanueva so big al against t sizzle is one of my big matchups absolutely and i'm going to go a step further and i'm going to stay on that side of the football as well for my second matchup and that's the steelers tight ends versus the ravens defense in multiple ways um I look at the Steelers and I did an article about the snap counts of last game. And I wrote about how the Steelers can finally deploy their two tight end sets, which is something that uh, if you go back to Randy Feetner's time when he was a coordinator at Memphis, he loved to run the 12 personnel. That's one back two tight ends. And they were finally able to do that. And you saw a lot of that Jesse James and Vance McDonald almost split split the uh, snap totals evenly. And then even Xavier Grimble got in the action at times. And they even had uh, Chuck Sikora for came in and he played some of uh, that, you know, you're talking about the, the bigs up front. He might be a designated tight end, but is still a tackle. The one thing I, I like about that is that if they can run two tight end sets, it's going to allow them to chip guys like Terrell Suggs. It's going to help them pass protect better, but it's also going to give them options in the passing game. I'm not sure if CJ Mosley is going to play in this game or not. He practiced it on a, he practiced on a limited basis on Thursday. Again, I have not seen the injury report on whether he's going to play. If he does not play, even though the Ravens are deep at the inside linebacker position, I think that Vance McDonald and or Jesse James can abuse the middle because when there's so much attention being given to the outside, we're talking Antonio Brown, we're talking uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and even a young James Washington is due I'm going to say that the middle could be open. Is it going to be as gaping open as we saw with Vance McDonald? Maybe not. The Ravens are a better defense than Tampa Bay. But at the same time, it's a matchup that they can exploit. They can move the chains. You go back to those classic matchups. When Roethlisberger had Heath Miller, Heath always had big games against the Ravens. It just seemed to always work out. There's something about the tight end position and finding those seams finding the soft spots and zones, and especially in the red zone. That's why I like the Steelers tight ends. It's matchup to watch is the Steelers tight ends versus that front seven of the Baltimore Ravens, both in pass protection, run blocking, and as receiving threats. So for me, that's my second key matchup for this game. Brian, what is your third and final matchup for the upcoming game? Well, you know, this is not a traditional matchup. This is more of a position versus position matchup. But when you talk about strengths of the Baltimore Ravens, for the last seven years, you're talking Justin Tucker. You probably, for the last two years, you were going to throw Chris Boswell in that equation as well. Right now, after three games, you're not throwing Chris Boswell in that equation where you had a sure thing. You now have a question mark. So they the place kicking game is very big in this game. We have seen 
Justin Tucker going to Heinz Field, a traditionally hard place to kick, especially for uh, in the, a visiting team. And he, he can hit 52-yarders, 53-yarders with ease. And you know when he comes up, you don't have to worry about him whatsoever. Chris Boswell, like we said, was the same thing. But now he's having trouble with just extra points. And Chris Boswell is also having trouble with field goals. He has won this year. Something's going on in his head. He has to get it back together. But the great way for him to get it back together is with a big kick against a team like the Baltimore Ravens. Hey, how many times in the last, in the entire series, have we seen this game go down to three points? So every single point is precious. Boswell has to be perfect. Justin Tucker is going to be perfect. Actually, you... Um, if you could tell me a kick that he's missed against the Steelers, I'd like to know because I can't, I can't bring it up in my head. Um, I don't remember him ever missing a kick against Pittsburgh. He may have, but that's how money he is. And, and we need the kicking game to match theirs and then some. So there can be no differential whatsoever. Chris Boswell has to be on just as much as Tucker. You know he's going to be, Jeff. Yeah, and you know, Justin Tucker is the type of kicker that if he misses one, you you go, whoa, wow. Like, did that really just happen? Did he really just miss a field goal? And it could be from 57. And even if he missed, you're like, wow, I was really expecting that to go through the uprights. Whereas now Chris Boswell is the complete opposite. If he makes it, people are like, oh, wow, he just made a field goal or he just made an extra point. It's a bad state of affairs for the Steelers kicking game right now. And talk about polar opposites when you're comparing Justin Tucker, who is the model of consistency when it comes to field goal kicking, and Chris Boswell, who is just, if you're a golfer, he's got the yips. And if you've ever played the game of golf, you know exactly what that is. It's, it's where when you get over the ball, you have no idea what's going to happen. You're basically thinking, is it going to go right? Is it going to go left? I don't know. And it's a, you're in a bad place mentally when that's happening. But the one way to get out of that funk, and that, that you think about golf and kicking, there's a lot of similarities. It's, it's, a, it's a pressure-packed situation. You only have to rely on yourself, really, in terms of making the kick. You just have to get through it. You just have to battle your way through it. And so I think Boswell took a step in the right direction on Monday night. I know he missed oh, an extra point. I know he missed a field goal. Both of those were off the uprights. Um, the margin of error is getting less. I, I, I'm, that's all I'll say. Um, for me, my final matchup is actually two really good friends. People might not realize this. And if CJ Mosley is not in the lineup, Ben Roethlisberger versus Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle is the one that will have the green dot on his helmet. If CJ Mosley is not in the game, he'll be the one making the defensive calls. And you better believe because they Roethlisberger and Weddle are very good friends off the field. And I don't think Weddle, since he's come to Baltimore, no, he hasn't. He's never beaten Ben Roethlisberger. So I think that the mat, the, the chess match between those two, the pre-snap reads, the adjustments made at the line of scrimmage, you know, you'll see Weddle come up and making changes, and Roethlisberger very well could be making changes himself. He could be making dummy changes, which are just bluffs, basically calling out nonsense and trying to make the defense think that he's adjusting. He might be sliding protections. He might be changing the plays especially if the Steelers go up tempo, that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch because Weddle's very intelligent. Roethlisberger, especially this season, has shown that he is more cerebral and it's probably because he has more say in the offensive game planning. But ultimately, that matchup, Roethlisberger versus Weddle, in terms of just how they're going to orchestrate their units. Now, if Mosley's in the game, I'm pretty sure the Ravens will give him the dot and he'll be the one that's 
calling everyone around. But if he's not, that Weddle versus Roethlisberger, if Mosley's in, we'll say Mosley versus Roethlisberger. A lot of those calls make a huge difference, and I think that's going to be really, really key for this game. So there you have some just very general matchups. If you were listening to this thinking, we, you know, Brian gave you some very specific ones in terms of T-Sizzle, Terrell Suggs versus Al Villanueva. I gave you more general stuff. We're trying to hit on all cylinders here, folks. And now we're going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about individual players to watch. We're talking players, whether it's Ravens or whether it's Steelers. I'm going to focus only on the Steelers. Brian can go wherever he wants. Um, players to watch in this game that could have a huge impact on the outcome. We're going to say who they are and why. Brian, I'll let you go first. Who do you think is your first? Well, I'm not who do you think. Who's your first player to watch in this upcoming game on Sunday Night Football? James Conner. It's got to be James Conner. You know, he's not having a bad season. And I've heard some comparisons in week two and three saying, okay, you're not getting what you got with Le'Veon Bell. But look, you don't need to. You haven't the last couple of weeks needed him to go ahead and uh, and get a 100-yard game. He had, he had 95 all-purpose yards against Tampa, and he was a pretty big deal in helping close that game down. But against a team like Baltimore, sure, there's going to be a lot of points put up because these teams put up – the Ravens put up 32 points a game. And so you're going to have to go toe-to-toe with them. But you also want to try to slow it down a little bit and control the line of scrimmage more because they're going to be keying more on the passing game. And James Conner, he can help control this game by having a solid game. If you can get 25 to 30 carries out of Conner, you're going to have a pretty good night. It's going to help set up the uh, set up the pass a whole lot more. Now, it seems in the recent weeks, they've been setting up the run with the pass, but I think they're going to want to get back to it against the Ravens with having the running game help set up that pass and, and keep them on their toes a whole lot more. And if they can do that, they're going to be a lot more successful. Absolutely. And you talked about Connor and this was on our show last night. The standard is a standard when I was did my show with Lance Williams. If you haven't listened to that, I do recommend you go back and listen. And it's not because I co-host the show. I, th- I think it's a very good show. I think it's very valuable. You're getting some good information. We asked the question because Le'Veon Bell always says, you know, I'm a number two receiver. I want to be paid like a number two receiver and a top running back. We did the numbers. And so far, Connor, James Connor is averaging five receptions a game. And if he continues that pace, he would end the season with 80 receptions. And so our question was, will he have more receptions in 2018 than Bell did for the Steelers in 2017? And Bell finished with 85 or 85 receptions. So you have to think five receptions a game in this offense is not ridiculous. And having a game where he might have seven or eight isn't out of the realm of possibility either. I think that James Conner has proven that he can catch the ball that he can fill a lot of the fill check a lot of the boxes that Le'Veon Bell did. We want to see him. I want to see him gash the Ravens because that's what Le'Veon Bell did. If you go back to last year, it was Week Four. I want to say it was against. It, he broke out against Kansas City, but he tortured the Ravens the following week, and he did it again at home at Heinz Field. That's what I want to see because ultimately, I I think that was Le'Veon Bell's calling card, kind of like Santonio Holmes back in his day. Santonio Holmes was a Ravens killer. Man, if you, you go back and listen to what we talked about at the beginning of the show with these past matchups, a lot of them were based around Santonio Holmes with a return or a, a great catch. And, and so, yeah, James Conner, I had him on my list. I was waiting to see if you were going to say him first, and you did. So for me, I'm going to go with a guy that's been missing since week one. 
and that's TJ Watt. I, I don't know where he went. Where did TJ Watt go? Has anyone seen TJ Watt? Because I'd really like for him to show up at some point. Um, it's not to me, you know, everyone says, oh, well, he gets flexed out a lot. A lot of people make a lot of excuses for the, for TJ Watt and, and stuff like that. And, and that's fine. Uh, but for me, with TJ Watt, I need to see him dominate a few times against someone that's not the Cleveland Browns. All right, that's what I want to see. Because the last two weeks, they've played pretty decent offensive lines, really good passers. And the one common denominator between Mahomes and Fitzpatrick so far is the amount of the, how quick they get the ball out of their hands. They don't sit back there and hold onto the football a long time. Joe Flacco will hold onto the football a long time, if especially if he's trying to press it down the field. So TJ Watt's got to step up, and he's got to step up in coverage. He's got to step up in the run stopping. He's been solid in run stopping. I don't want to say that, but as a pass rusher and in coverage, he has to step up his game. I'm waiting for that signature game. Everyone talks about his performance in week one last year and his performance in week one this year. What's the common denominator? The freaking Cleveland Browns is the common denominator. I want to see him step up in a big way. I'm talking that Joe Flacco forced fumble that he had at the end of last season. I want to see more of that against big game in big games against good teams. So that's why I have TJ Watt as my first. Who's your second there, Brian? Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, Brian's repping the TJ Watt. Very good. That's a, he's rocking the jersey. <laughs> I like that. That plays well. <laughs> now I'm going to get a James Conner because I just talked about him. Yeah. Um, you know what? That's uh, I agree with you on TJ Watt wholeheartedly. Um, I have com- I have been complaining about him dropping back in coverage, but uh, when they game plan for him, he he brings it, Jeff. So. Let's hope. Let's hope they let's hope they do something, man. That defense needs a spark, that's for sure. So what's your who's your next player to watch? Oh, the ne- I'm sorry, the next player to watch, you know, I'm gonna go with Ryan Switzer. Hmm. They like to and he's also uh he's also my fantasy sleeper here. I'm I'm not trying to go ahead and step on the format here, but Switzer's <laughs> the kind of guy that that they want to go ahead and Ben likes him already. Ben's found a cohesiveness with Ryan Switzer and bringing him in, you know, as that fourth receiver, he's made Justin Hunter completely irrelevant on that team. I mean, Hunter, I mean, everyone thought Hunter was going to be your number four guy, maybe even sneak up into the number three spot. But with Switzer being out there, they're finding new ways to use him as a runner, as uh, on those quick slants. He's, he's becoming a little, uh, Swiss Army knife for him. I know that was the nickname for uh, uh, Jalen Samuels, but this guy, Ryan Switzer, has become all purpose. He reminds me of, uh, you know, just like little guys we've seen throughout the the league the last few years that could really take over a ball game and you just don't expect them to. But when Ben gets that rapport with somebody, like we've seen him get that rapport with. Vance McDonald and other players, he really uses them. And once he gets that trust, they're going to become a weapon. And so with all the weapons that they have on this team, here's a guy that a defense is going to have to let him go. And they're not going to be king on Ryan Switzer, but when he's in there, he's going to do something for you. So the more and more we go along in this season, you're going to see him as a bigger part of this offense. So right now he's kind of a sleeper guy. 
but he's he's a guy that could be very dangerous to this team and uh, jump out on the stat sheet. It's not going to be amazing. You know, you're not going to see 10 catches for over 100 yards, but you're going to see him do something big. And as a kick returner, as a punt returner, PFF, Pro Football Focus, has him listed in the top 10 already as a return man. So he's, he's getting it done on this team, and he's making a difference already. Okay, so you kind of went into our fantasy segment, so we can kind of cut the players to watch a little bit short, and I'll go ahead and give you who I was going to say next for my players to watch, and it's my fantasy lock. Now, fantasy football, whether you play the season-long game where you and your buddies or you and random strangers get together and you draft and you keep your players and you watch the waiver wire and all that stuff, you might have some of these players on your on your roster already, or you might have to trade for them. These players that are locks are typically not available on the waiver wire. Now, if you play daily fantasy, like I do, then these players are always available if they're healthy. So for me, my lock, and this is kind of going against the grain because he doesn't typically have big games against the Ravens. I just feel like he's due, and that's Antonio Brown. Um, and I've, I've been saying it now for a couple weeks, and you can just feel it. He's winning his one-on-one matchups. He's beating double coverage, but for some reason, he and Roethlisberger have not been able to connect you just get the feeling that it's just, it's, a, it's a matter of time. It's just a matter of time until these two go off and he's going to pull in 120 for two touchdowns or something like that. If I'm playing fantasy and I have the option for Antonio Brown, I'm taking him because it's at home. He's got a lot to prove because he's a, a ways behind Juju Smith-Schuster in terms of yardage as a receiver right now. I think he is at 220-something Juju's at 350. It's a pretty significant margin right now that he's trailing Juju Smith-Schuster. And although he says, I don't care about stats, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you do. You're a diva wide receiver. You all care about stats. I think Antonio Brown wants to make a statement, and it's on Sunday Night Football. It's at home. He wants to plant these guys. My fantasy lock this week is Antonio Brown. So, Brian, I hope I didn't steal your thunder there. But what's your fantasy lock of the week? You did, but I can adjust. And <laughs> may I add that Go may I me. add that I respect your fantasy picks because last week I listened to your fantasy picks and I went and I not only did I beat you, but I won our entire FanDuel league last week. So a little <laughs> plug. I was first place out of out of ten. Well, let I me say, hey, picks. hold on. Let me so say if, if, you, if, Kirk, if Kirk Cousins didn't crap the bed, I would have had a hell of a team. But he crapped the bed. The <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but Vance McDonald was huge last week. Um, you know what? I was looking at uh, you know Juju being a lock this week. You know Juju's not really getting the touchdowns. He's getting the yards. He's still he's still a great fantasy play. So you got to play a guy like like uh, Juju. But I'm going back to the well again, like I did two weeks ago. You know Jesse James. He's still going to in a FanDuel league when you ha- in a daily league when you have to go ahead and uh, pick him up. You're going to get him for a budget of about fifty five hundred or somewhere around there where you can offset a high money guy with a guy like Jesse James. Ben, you know, sure Ben hit Vance McDonald for that big epic play with a stiff arm last week, but he's still going to be looking towards Jesse James. Like you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, they're looking at two tight end sets. Somebody's going to be open and Jesse has become so reliable to me that I'm thinking that 
Now, I want to quote a Survivor song from 1985. I think the search is over for a tight end. I think you just go ahead and sign a guy like Jesse James next year. Bring him back. He's your tight end. Vance McDonald, if he stays healthy, he's your other tight end. And you keep it going. But this week, you're going to see a lot of Jesse James with Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to, he's going to soften up the middle. And he's going to get open for a lot of big gains. I can actually see an 80 to 100-yard game out of Jesse James with one t- touchdown at least and, you know, throwing about eight catches. So you're going to have a good stat line from Jesse James. I would play him. So you said that that's your lock. Jesse James is your lock? Yeah. That's my lock this week. Holy crap. I mean, that's, that sounds like a sleeper to me, but you already said you're a sleeper. I'll let you talk about him in a second in case people are just joining us live. I'll go ahead and say my sleeper, and it's someone that you mentioned as a key player to watch, and that's James Conner. Look, if you play daily fantasy like we do, James Conner's point is his value in terms of how much he costs has gone down as the weeks progress. He was very cheap at before week one. He blew up in week one against Cleveland. And after week one, he was a very expensive player. But his production has gone down. So has the price for him. He's a player that I think, like you mentioned, I think the Steelers are going to come into this game with the intent of, we want to run the football. We want to establish the run. We don't necessarily want to rely on Roethlisberger throwing the ball 40, 50 times to win every game. You're hoping that they can sustain drives. They can attack quick if they have to, but they can also stretch out those drives that are, you know, those eight-minute time-consuming drives that are absolutely backbreakers. That's what I like about this Pittsburgh offense, by the way. Look at the end of the first half against Tampa Bay. A minute and some change. I'm thinking like minute 15, minute 17 at the most was on the clock. Three timeouts. Beautiful drive. Roethlisberger goes eight for nine. Touchdown. They have those capabilities. They need to show now that they can just grind it out, get first downs, just like they did at the end of the game. I want the I want this Steelers offense. If people are asking me, Jeff, what is your ideal Pittsburgh Steelers offense? It's that if everyone in the stadium knows what you're going to do and you can still go do it, that's my ideal Pittsburgh Steelers offense. And so for me, what they did in Tampa Bay in the fourth quarter at the end of the game was very impressive. Everyone knew they had to run the ball, and they did. I understand that Juju Smith-Schuster and Roethlisberger had that big connection, but when they needed a first down, it was James Conner who was busted through the line. I was happy to see that. James Conner's your sleeper. If you have him on your bench, you're not thinking he's going to do much, try maybe inserting him into a flex spot if you have him. That's where I would put him on a daily fantasy league if you have a flex option. As for my league that I set up that Brian's in, I did not put a kicker in. I put in an extra flex because no one likes kickers anyways, especially me with Chris Boswell. We have a bad bad relationship right now but anyways uh go ahead brian and talk about your little water bug ryan switzer and why you think he actually is a good fantasy sleeper because let's be honest he's not touching the ball that much you know what i had premature prognostication a little bit ago with uh and i kind of uh you know went too early on ryan switzer but you know what i think this guy uh could go ahead and do some things. I mean, he, he's going to break one one of these days, you know. And a lot of leagues will give you points for your for any type of score. If it's if it's a score from a kick return or a punt return, he's gonna have one soon. 
I mean, you know, I'm thinking the guy gets about two this year, Jeff. It's it's possible. Plus, Ben found him for the first touchdown. You know he's going to look towards him. They're, uh, each week they're finding more ways to try to use him in practice, and he's an extra weapon that they have. So right now, Ryan Switzer, if you have to throw in a cheap guy, you uh, this might be a good week for it because this is a defense. This isn't like you said earlier. This isn't your your father's Ravens. This is a team that uh, they give up a lot of points now. They also put up a lot of points now. This this is a team that this isn't the uh, slobber knocker type defensive game that used to be seventeen thirteen. Pittsburgh and Baltimore. This is a game where you're going to see, like last year, what was it, forty to thirty-nine, the week after uh, on um, on December tenth of last year. Um, it was just a crazy game in Pittsburgh last year. They put up almost eighty points combined. You're going to see something like that. So you're going to see some opportunities for a guy like uh, Ryan Switzer, the water bug, like you like to call him. I love that nickname for him. And you know that's a guy that you can get cheap. And you're probably going to get some points this week. Yeah, the Nets, if you want to go that route, I'm not touching that kid with a 10-foot pole in fantasy football, but that's just me. You know, you can do whatever you want. Um, I want to talk, but we're getting ready to do our, our prediction segment, but before we do that, I if you're watching live on YouTube, if you have questions that you want to answer to the end of the show, leave them in the live chat. I've got it up here on my phone. I'm checking it. And as I was scrolling through some of the comments earlier our good friend my co-host on the other sh- on two other shows the post game show and the standards of standard lance williams chimed in with a very very good point kudos to him tip of the cap my brother and that is special teams and that the ravens have had two punts blocked already and so maybe you can see uh the steelers going after one i i, I like that I like that a lot in terms of John Gruden. I like that guy. So let's go down to some predictions. Let's talk about who we think is going to win, who we think is going to lose. But let me give you some team statistics first, just to kind of wrap your head around things if you're not really familiar with the Ravens. Offensively, let's go down some rankings. Offensive yards per game, the Ravens rank 13th. Offensive points per game, they rank 5th. They're scoring a lot of points. Offensive rushing yards per game, 26th. Offensive passing yards per game, ninth. Now let's go to the defensive side of the football. Defensive yards per game, they're first in the NFL. Passing yards per game, they're second. And rushing yards per game, 13th. So this is crazy. Okay, they're not running the ball well. 26th ranked in the NFL. And they're not stopping the run well, giving up 103.7 yards per game. However, they're keeping people out of the end zone points per game they're only allowing 17 points per game as a defense and their offense we talked about this on our standard as a standard show last night has never been stopped in the red zone yet this year they're 12 for 12 in the red zone pretty impressive stuff there but brian i'm going to go ahead and toss it to you and give me your prediction and how you see this game playing out well you know what you know this is a paramount game for the pittsburgh steelers um they're going back home this should be a win for the Steelers with, uh, against any other team. But this is the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Flacco has never really 
completely struggled in there. Um, 13 career games, 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He's won a playoff game in Pittsburgh. He is not intimidated by Heinz Field, not intimidated by Steeler Nation. He is tough to play. This game, I mean, this is a toss-up because we talked about just a little bit ago, we talked about that game in late December last year how that went down. It looked like a Ravens win, and Pittsburgh clawed back. It was a very emotional game because it was six days after Ryan Shazier went down. Um, But it looked like a Baltimore win. So this game, and in 2018 NFL, games could change on a dime. We've we've seen that already. Um, We almost saw that Monday night. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but if I think with my head and not my heart, I'm actually going to go ahead and say 31-28 in favor of the Baltimore Ravens. You know what? I'm going to say the same thing I said to Lance Williams when he predicted the Ravens were going to win good. Pick against them. Everyone pick against them. I don't care. That You know what? Backs against the wall. Underdogs. At home. I like it. I like it a lot. So you know what? I'm going to take the Steelers. I think that there's something about this team we let off our show last night, and I, I hate to keep referencing that, but um, with the question of which half is the Steelers' team, is it the first half against Tampa Bay where they scored 23 offensive points, 30 total points, or is it the second half where they scored no points and let them right back in? I still think this first-half team is the team that we can expect once they kind of get things together. Will they get it together? I don't know. But you know what? I'm going to go with these games are typically, what, four points or under, Right. I'm going to keep it right at that line. I have the Steelers winning 31 to 27. 31 27. It would drop the Ravens' record to 2 and 2. The Pittsburgh Steelers would advance to 2 1 and 1. And depending on how the Cincinnati Bengals do against the Atlanta Falcons, they could be right in the thick of things in the AFC and the AFC North division. So Brian picked against the, uh, picked against the Steelers. He took the Ravens. Lance Williams last night took the Ravens. I'm taking the Steelers in both times because I don't change my prediction at all. And so we'll see how things play out. Call me the eternal optimist. That's fine. But we, uh, you know what? I, I, I just think that this team is better than what they've put on the field so far. And so, Brian, what do you think about that prediction before we get into any questions? You know what? I like that prediction, too. Um, I'm just being – I'm usually the eternal optimist. And uh, something that you said about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers' first-half offense – just want to let you know something about the Ravens' second-half defense has not allowed a touchdown in the second half at all this year. That's so nice they game. are uh, they get stronger as the game goes on. I mean, really, I hope I can eat crow next. I, I hope I'm completely wrong. I hope I have egg on my face next week. And I personally will let you go ahead and just make fun of me to the gills. And I hope you do. I hope I'm dead wrong now because I tell you what, the networks aren't paying me to prognosticate. I'm just going with my head. This is a crazy year already. I think the Steelers have the key, have the tools to win this game. I just worry about the momentum that the Ravens have right now. And I think they are a better team than a lot of us in Steeler nation do. So that's why I'm going that way. I hope Lance and I are both wrong. Yeah, well, you know, as I said last night, I'll say it again. If you let's look at who the let's look at who the Ravens beat. They beat a, a high school JV team in the Buffalo Bills in Week One that were starting Nathan Peterman at quarterback. Let me refer. I'll say that again, folks. Nathan Peterman at quarterback. 
Okay, and that was at home. Baltimore's tough at M&T. Then they lose to the Bengals on a short week, and they look crappy in that game. They, they came back, but that was because the Bengals are the Bengals, and they find ways to lose or almost lose. And then they beat a Denver Broncos team that, I'm sorry, they're just not that good. They're just not that good. Um, everything is about them is just not that good. I'm not impressed with the Ravens yet. They, if they beat the Steelers on Sunday night, I'll, I'll, hey, I'll be the first to say that if they beat them and they're the better team, kudos to them. I just don't think that. I think it's going to be an evenly matched game. I don't think one team is drastically better than the other. But at the same time, as always, I think it's going to come down to about four points or fewer. So let's dive into these questions here, Brian. I like to do these live chat questions rapid fire. Okay, so keep your mic on. Pay attention. It's going to be quick. Um, here we go. Do you think Keith Butler, Keith Butler's job is safe? Go ahead, Brian. No. I don't think so No, either. I do not. I don't think so either. Do you think he could be fired in season? No, I do not. Okay, I agree with that. I don't think it's yet. safe, but not during the season. I agree. Okay, um, who will win the cornerback two battle? This is typically, from what we have understand, is between Cody Sensabaugh, Cameron Sutton, and Artie Burns. I think Cam Sutton's the guy there. It's right now he's your best bet. Artie's just he's snake bitten. Disagree. And Cody is a backup. Artie, yeah, well, Cody's a backup for sure. Artie Burns, I think, wins it because he's a number one draft pick. I think um, you've seen Mike Tomlin do this before. He's sending a message, trying to light a spark. Don't be surprised if Artie Burns is a starter this week. Um, and another question was a follow-up. Do they? Do you think they could bring someone else in? Do you think the Steelers could possibly make an in-season, in-season move this year? You know what? They, they definitely can. They've done it the past couple of years. Here and there, they've brought offensive linemen in. They've uh, definitely brought kickers in. They can go ahead and do it. I mean, hey, they're getting $855,000 back every single week with Le'Veon Bell, so they're going to have the room to bring somebody in. I just don't know who is on their couch right now that's good enough to come in and play. You're right, and I don't think there is anyone out there that's worthy of them bringing in right now. So unless there's an injury, I think they stay put. I don't think they're actually going to do anything. Um, we had a question about what's up with number 92, the rookie. That's obviously outside linebacker uh, Ola Adenye. He is on injured reserve. He cannot come back until week six, I think. Is it six or eight, Brian? I believe it is week six. Okay. Yeah. I think he has to stay out week seven. I think he has to stay out six weeks. All right, another question from Lance Williams out there watching. Um, how will the Steelers get pressure on Joe Flacco on Sunday night? You know, D Bud Dupree really needs to bring it, and his stat line is not as bad as you would think with five QB hits, two sacks, two pass deflections, and an interception, a forced fumble. But like you mentioned before, he overruns it. So if you can get him from not overrunning Flacco, he could get pressure. And you also mentioned you got to have a guy like T.J. Watt step up. But coming from the middle, John Bostic is doing more and more each week. And if you bring him in, he can make a little bit of an impact. In, in my opinion, if the Steelers are going to get to Flacco, it's going to be because of two players. Cam Hayward, Stefan to it. Because if they're not And I knew getting, you were going to say that. If they're not getting interior pressure, it's it's not going to matter. 
it's not going to matter. It's not just Joe Flacco. It's not going to matter against the majority of the quarterbacks in the league because they're going to be able to step up. They're going to be able to maneuver their way through the pocket, and it's not going to be difficult. Because like I said, if Bud Dupree runs up the arc over and over again, it's an easy lane. Uh, we saw Aaron Rodgers in the preseason just abuse him with his legs. So there you go. I think if they're going to get pressure, has to be with those two. Two, it's got to play better. He hasn't played well yet, in my opinion. Um, here we go. Lance Williams says, do we think Joey Porter will be fired at the end of the year? You know, I don't think so. I think they're married to Joey for some reason. I'm going to say that if if, a, if an outside linebacker doesn't sniff double-digit sacks and you just don't see the development happening even more so than we already have, I think he could be gone. I think he's one of those coaches that it was kind of like Carnell Lake last year where they might have you know said, yeah, we're keeping an eye on you this year. If you don't kind of turn it around, could be gone. I think that, uh, yeah. So here we go. Another question. Does Chris Boswell miss another kick on Sunday? He better not. If he wants to keep his job, he better not. And let me tell you something, Jeff. Three years ago, Chris Boswell got, excuse me, two years ago, I believe. Now it was three. Chris Boswell got his job because week four on a primetime, it was a Thursday night game, but a primetime game against the Baltimore Ravens, Josh Scobie wet the bed. And yeah. that's why mm -hmm. Chris Boswell is in Pittsburgh. You know, they are not opposed. They're not going to wait too much longer. I know Tomlin came out and said, he's our guy, he's our kicker, but I don't care what you paid him in the offseason. You know, it's a key position. We've seen him do it before with Todd Peterson going to Jeff Reed. We saw it with Scobie going to Boswell. Um, and then we saw it with uh, Jeff Reed losing his job to Sean Sweezum back in, uh, in 2010. And so those, those were all playoff seasons too, where uh, those guys came in and did well. So you can see it happen. So the answer to your question, the question was, will he miss a kick on Sunday? Yes or no? No. No, he's not going to. I don't think he does either. It, it, but he better not. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't miss, in my opinion, you don't miss three kicks all year and then just suck all of a sudden. Uh, I, it just doesn't happen, especially you, Scott, Scobie coming from Jacksonville to Pittsburgh. You can kind of see, like, man, that's just different. It's a different environment. You're playing in meaningful games. There's more pressure. Boswell's been there, done that. He's been successful there. I just don't see him completely f collapsing. So I'm going to say that no. Um, here we go. Do they pick up Artie Burns' fifth-year option after this year? That's going to be a very talked-about question as the year progresses. You know, that might depend on how well Bud Dupree does. But you know what? My gut is actually saying no. Um especially if they get burnt with Bud. And I know that's two completely different positions, but, you know, they are uh, bringing back Bud, but they have some options at the corner position. And I think they're going to draft high at corner again. You know, if you still have Joe Hayden around next year, which kind of expect to, um, no, I, I don't think they're going to if he continues having the problems that he's having. You know, as we're talking about this right now in the live chat, everyone's saying no, no, no. Uh, I think if we would have talked about this a year ago and said, are they going to pick up Bud Dupree's option, everyone would be saying no, no, no. And what happened? Yes, yes, yes. He was signed because the Steelers don't like to admit that they whiffed on a first-round pick, even though they did twice, back-to-back. -back. 
and <laughs> and El Busto, Jarvis Jones. Let's not forget about that guy. So they they don't have the best pedigree in the first round when picking defenders, but still, um, there you go. The question seemed to have run dry, and that's fine because I thought this was a good show. I hope that what we gave you tonight is just a little bit of insight on the Ravens and Steelers this upcoming game because it is different. It, there was a time where when you say, okay, let's get ready for Steelers Ravens, everyone say, okay, get ready for a 10, seven game, or let's get ready for nine to six. And it's just not that way anymore. And that's kind of driving with the entire NFL. So there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to digest. And I hope that you all enjoyed the show. I hope you keep watching. Um, you know, it is what it is. I, I hope the Steelers win. I hope they play well. Uh, and it's going to be a good game. Brian, what are your final thoughts here before we send it off for the evening? You know what? No matter how this game shapes up, it is going to go down as one of the better, uh, the better games in this rivalry. These are two teams that are primed for each other. They play better when they play against each other. And, you know, you can throw out record books. I know the records are close, but it just doesn't matter. It's Steelers. It's Ravens. It's Yankees Red Sox to me. It's uh, it's one of the great rivalries. It's becoming uh, Penguins Capitals if you want to go ahead and, and put it there. But if you even want to you know throw in a, a hockey comparison, it's going to be Penguins Flyers just for the fact that they're going to beat each other up. This is going to be a physical game. It's not going to be pretty, but it is going to go down to the end. And you're going to hear Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth talking about how they had another beauty on Sunday night football. You know what I miss about this, this rivalry and it, it, this happened with the Yankees and Red Sox too. It's, it's kind of watered down a little bit. You hear players talking about, you know, we respect these guys and, and blah, blah, blah. He's a first ballot hall of famer, man. You know what I miss? I miss Heinz Ward cheap shotting Ed Reed right in the flipping mouth is what I miss. You know what else I miss? I miss Joey Porter going on the team bus trying to go after uh, Ray Lewis. That's what I miss. I miss the anger that these two teams brought out in each other because you know where that went. It went to it went to Cincinnati, and and it's it's at Cincinnati really. Like Cincinnati and the Steelers hate each other. The Baltimore Ravens and Steelers used to hate each other. Now that's all uh, we're chummy chummy and we're it's come on man. This is AFC North football. Well, this you is know, Steelers Ravens. Give me a freaking break. I want to see these guys going out killing each other because that's what makes the rivalry great. I agree with you wholeheartedly, but we ran about two years ago. We had a rate your hate in the, uh, between Baltimore and Cincinnati. And it came out right at the same time that, uh, when the Vontez perfect perfect was stuff was happening. And when he was just terrorizing Pittsburgh and uh, you know, Pittsburgh fans were hating more. And the consensus was the fact that we hate Cincinnati so much more than we do Baltimore. In fact, we have a healthy respect and this is fans saying it. And I looked at Baltimore did the same exact thing at the same time, because right after perfect had a cheap shot, they had one of their tight ends. I might've been Max Williams that, that just got completely plastered the next week by by Burfecht, and they were in the same boat. And so when I we talk about living in Maryland, and I talk about I talk to Ravens fans all the time. I say the same joke every single time. I say, "What do Steeler fans and and Raven fans have in common? 
We both hate Cincinnati, and that's where it's gone to. But trust me, they strap those helmets on. They go up against each other. There's no love lost for 60 minutes. Michael Crabtree has never played in this rivalry. He's already chiming in on what this rivalry means for a guy coming in. So I agree with you that the animosity's not there, but it could come back in a heartbeat. And I think something's going to something's going to make it come back, um, just like Steve Smith almost made it come back just a year or two ago. Yeah, Mike Mitchell tried, but he's an idiot. And yeah, you know, I, yeah, I that's want not the, a good representation. <laughs> where's the Richard Mendenhall broken scapula by Ray Lewis in his first game <laughs> as a rookie? Like that's what this that's what this used to be. A, he broke his scapula. It was a scapula. I'm sorry, I said jaw earlier on. It was scapula. Thank you. Scapula. This was compared to when he broke his scapula. This is doctor said you normally see this in car accidents, not in football games. That's incredible. That's what this used to be. And that was a bounty. That was a bounty. Come on. Like I care. If it makes it more entertaining, that's what I care about. But you know what? Hey, anyway. It was a bounty. (laughs) So, folks that are listening, we appreciate your time. I do always say, that if you are not checking BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs, my gosh, I don't know what you're doing. We're putting up almost double-digit articles a day. So check throughout the day because there's new stuff. Join the group. Comment. It's a great community. But also, check out the article for this podcast on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It'll run at 5.30 a.m. or 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. And in that article will be links if you're an Apple user or if you're an Android user for you to go and subscribe to our channel, which is the Behind the Steel Curtain Podcast Network. And on there, you'll get everything. You'll get the Steelers post game with Lance and myself. You'll get the Steelers hangover with Brian and Tony. You'll get the standard is a standard with Lance and myself. You'll get this show, the Steelers preview, and a new show that's going to air tomorrow. And that is uh, Gimme Five by Zach Parnes. And that's our that's our lineup. That's five shows a week. It's good stuff. And if you didn't know, if you're listening to this on podcast, holy crap, they have a YouTube channel. We do. Go to YouTube.com. We'll search BTSC Steelers Radio. Subscribe, like, comment. We appreciate it. So, Brian, I thank you for your time. Listeners, make sure you check out uh, all the shows and enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll see you Sunday night late for another Steelers post game. Have a good one. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.